All right, guys, let's continue our teaching about Satan. And today we'll be talking about the son of Satan. However, this will not be a detailed message about Satan's son, or we know him as the Antichrist. How it, but what we're going to do, we're going to discuss particular highlights about him, about his birth, about his coming to power and about his destruction. So let's start where we first see the prophecy of Satan's son in the book of Genesis. It comes along in the same prophecy that God speaks about his own son, Genesis 3 and 15. And it says what? And I will put enmity between you and the woman as God is speaking to the serpent. And we know that this serpent spiritually speaks for or stands for Satan and between your seed and her seed. Notice what God said, the seed of the serpent and what the seed of the woman, what will happen? And he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So that's basically talking about what Satan will do to Jesus on the cross and also what the Antichrist will do, not so much as to Jesus, but to Jesus's people, the Jews. And that's another discussion. But anyway, let's get back to the point that we're trying to make. He says that there will be enmity between the two seeds, seeds of the serpent, that is Satan and seed of the woman. Now, let's make a couple of points. We know that the seed of the woman is Jesus, the Messiah. And we also know how he himself was conceived. Jesus is what? The son of God. And that's what we're trying to teach you now. Just as, and this is what God is teaching, just as Jesus is the son of God, so the Antichrist will be the son of Satan and just as Jesus is the literal and in somewhat of a way, can I say it this way, spiritual slash metaphysical, but nevertheless biological. Can I say it like that? As Jesus is indeed the son of God, so also will the Antichrist be indeed the son of Satan. If one is the seed of the woman, the other in the same manner will be the seed of the serpent. Now, and how was Jesus born? Remember the Bible taught that what? That the spirit, the Holy Spirit would come over Mary and therefore that thing that will be conceived in her will be called the son of God, the seed of the woman spoken of here. But now it's different when it comes to the devil. He is not God, even though he is a spirit creature, his being in his totality. He does not have the same being of God, of God, but nevertheless, he will produce a child. So you ask, well, then how will he do so? And you may want to check the earlier teachings that I did concerning this, too. I'll leave a link to link for that in this in the description in this video. All right. The scriptures teach in Genesis chapter six that there came a day when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they took wives of them and they produced children. 
and these children became known as Nephilim. And this is and this whole point, just to make this long teaching short, the sons of God here are angels, but they are fallen angels. They are not the good angels. They are the fallen angels. Okay. And these particular fallen angels materialized, took on physical form. And what did they do? They engaged in sexual relations with women. And what happened? Look at verse number four. Let verse number four. I'll read that since I just <laughs> discussed the first part. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. What? When you had the union, the Nephilim were of the unions of the sons of God. When they came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. So we had uh, an unholy union, demonic angels marrying and having sexual relations with human women and producing children. And that's how Satan will produce his son. He will take and manifest a physical form, find a woman of his choosing. And, and, and note, it's a beautiful thing. And I think there is symmetry in the whole aspect of the divine order of how things happened with Jesus. What do I mean when I say symmetry and how it happened? When God got ready to bring his son in, into the world through the Virgin Mary, notice she was a virgin, and I think Satan will probably do the same. But through the Virgin Mary, um, notice he did it with the, I don't want to use the word permission, but he did it with Mary's consent. Mary didn't say, no, I didn't want to do that. Remember Mary said, let, let it be unto me According to your word, I am God's handmaid and whatever God wants me to do, let it be done to me. So he did it with her consent. And in the same way, that's why I believe that symmetry is being held here. Satan also will find a woman knowingly. Notice I said knowingly who he is, because notice Mary knew that she would be impregnated by God. Likewise, Satan will find a woman who knows who he is and she will willingly allow herself to be impregnated by Satan in order to bear his son. OK, so that's how Satan's son will be brought into the world. Now, let's talk about power, power, because we know that the Antichrist shall have great power and rule over basically all of the world. Now the question is, how did this come to be? Okay, allow me to do it this way. I'm gonna take you back to Matthew chapter four. It is so much enlightenment. Watch guys, Matthew chapter four. And remember after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, okay? He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being tempted of the devil himself. So Satan personally showed up and in Jesus's weakened state, remember he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. In Jesus's weakened state, Satan tempted him with a, a barrage of temptations, three of which 
were recorded in scripture. Now, I don't want to go through all of the temptations. I want to look at one temptation in particular. Okay. Matthew four and eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Notice he showed him what showed Jesus, what all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And what happened? And he, Satan said to Jesus, all these things, that's all the world and all the power of the world. All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So what did he do? He offered Jesus all the powers of this world. He offered Jesus. And, and, and that's another teaching of itself, saints. But he offered Jesus right now to rule and reign as the sovereign ruler of this world. Satan made that offer to Jesus. Now, here's your question. Is the offer that he made to Jesus a valid offer? Does that can Satan actually give somebody all these kingdoms of the world? Like he says, notice the rest of the, the rest of this whole verse thing. Jesus said to him, go Satan for it is written. You shall worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. Did you notice Jesus did not call him a liar? And the reason Jesus did not call him a liar is because for the moment, remember, Adam failed in the garden and Satan usurped Adam's authority over the world. He usurped man's authority, making him thereby what the prince and power of the air and what the ruler of this world and of these kingdoms. So my point to you is when Satan made the offer of the kingdoms of the world to Jesus so that Jesus could rule it as his king, the offer was valid. But Jesus rejected that offer. Now, what am I saying? Let's bring the point in so I won't babble so much. Although Jesus, the son of God, rejected Satan's offer of all the kingdoms of the world, its power and authority. Satan's own son, when he produces him, he will accept it. Okay. You said that ain't a bit more in the Bible than a cat that Satan's son will accept. it. OK, remember, the Antichrist, as we've already proven, is the is the spiritual and physical metaphysical. Remember all that stuff I told you about. He is the son of Satan. That's his son. Satan produced him. But now, Eric, show me where in the scriptures that like when when Satan offered Jesus this power that he's going to offer his son and his son, instead of like Jesus refusing the power, he will accept it. All right. Now, I want to slow it down just a little bit so that you can see my point is actually the truth. Always, I'm going to tell you the truth. But let's read Revelation 13, starting in verse number one. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. And we know from Revelation chapter 12 that the dragon here is Satan himself. It has already answered that question for us. Who is the dragon? He is Satan. So Satan, the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. The seashore simply means on the sand of the human population. Satan stood before all of humanity. 
Then I saw a beast coming out of the sea and the beast is nothing more than the Antichrist. And we don't, I'm sorry guys, we don't have time to go through all the details on that, but you probably know already, you've heard it a million times about the Antichrist also being called the beast of Revelation 13. The beast talked about also in Daniel. Okay. So it's nothing new about that. So, and and the beast and the kingdom are sometimes viewed one and the same. The beast and his kingdoms, the beast and the kingdoms of the world. And then I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns, seven heads. It's talking about the kingdom. And please let me skip all of that. On his head and horn were ten diadems and on his head were blasphemous names. Simply the kingdoms of the beast. Verse number two. And the beast, which I saw was like a leopard. His feet was like those of a bear. These are just symbolic terms. We're talking about the speed in which he could conquer and the power speed. Leper is known for being fast. A bear is known for being powerful with the ability to crush. OK, and that's all. And his mouth like the mouth of a lion speaking of his greatness, his royalty and blah, blah, blah. And notice. But here is the point in verse number two of Revelation. And what? Remember, the dragon is Satan. And the dragon, Satan, gave who? The beast gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Notice what it says. Satan gave his son. Notice again. What did Satan give his son? Power. So that's why the Antichrist would be a supernatural being. He will receive the power from his father. And I just want to holler out a little bit. Remember, Jesus received power from who? That's right, from God. And just like Jesus received his power from his father, the Antichrist will receive his power from his father. Notice again, power and then his throne. What does throne mean? Throne means you got to have a kingdom. And remember what, what Satan offered Jesus? He showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll let you rule all of them. He has shown his son all the kingdoms of the world. Satan has his own son, the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, instead of like Jesus turning him down, he said, Daddy, I receive them. His power, his throne, and what great authority rule them all. <laughs> all right. And, and okay. I tell you what, I'll throw you an extra caveat in. And it seems that this power may not, and I'm not sure of this part, it may not be his all along. In other words, when the antichrist is, uh, say for instance, from the time that he's born and he's a little boy and he grows up to be a man, I don't believe, according to the way the scriptures are designing these things, that Satan offers this to him when he was a boy or even when he was a young man, but at a specific time in his life. OK, let me show you again. Remember that symmetry that I was teaching you about? That means how the life of Jesus, uh, the life of the Antichrist will parallel with the life of Jesus. Notice. We know of Jesus's birth. We know that. Remember that we know when he was approximately two years old. That's when he was he was around. He was visited by those what we call the wise men. They weren't so much as the wise men. That's another lesson. We also know about Jesus at the age of 12. 
Okay, so we know some we have some snapshots about Jesus during those periods. But notice there is no uh, interaction in the sense between Jesus and God, the father with God commissioning him to do anything at that time. It was not notice what the scripture says until Jesus turned about 30 years old. God waited until he was 30 years old when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And notice, and that's when Jesus was infilled with the spirit at that time. And what did he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. There you go. There you go. To do the messianic things that God had declared for him, designed, written, determined for Jesus to do. So what's my point? Jesus did not begin to act, although he was God's son from birth. He did not begin to act in a messianic way until he was way along in age at about 30 years of age. Same thing, Antichrist. Just because he's Satan's son doesn't mean that he, no, no, no. I believe that the offer of the kingdom that we just spoke about in Revelation 13, the offer that he will make to his son doesn't happen when he's young. You know what I mean by young, like young boy, 16, 17. But it happens at a mature time in his life when he is a man. Most specifically, and that's why I paused and decided to take you on to verse number three so I can show you when I believe the offer is made. I saw one of his heads and that's speaking of the Antichrist himself. Okay. As he's breaking it all down. So let, let me just skip a lot of all of the explanation, guys, just to make the point. I saw one of his heads as, as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. Okay. And, and <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to allow me to go ahead. The Antichrist as if it has been slain. That's simply the language of death because notice it uses the same language concerning Jesus. Notice what did the scriptures call Jesus? A lamb as if he had been slain. It doesn't mean maybe we know Jesus was slain. We know that Jesus went to the cross. We know that Jesus died. And that's the point that it's making here. Notice again, symmetry, 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 as Jesus died, notice here you see what? A, a death of the Antichrist. So as if he is slain here simply means the Antichrist was murdered. He was murdered. But notice what it said. His fatal wound. It didn't say his wound that hurt him. The wound was fatal. So he was killed. But what happened? His fatal wound reversed itself and he was healed and he resurrected from the dead. And that's why notice the rest of the, of the scripture said, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. When the people saw, when this world saw the antichrist rise from the dead, that's when they started to believe that. And here's the whole point of it all. And that's why we call him antichrist. That's when the world began to believe that this man is indeed the Christ. He is the true Messiah. 
Okay, you got it? That's Satan's son. And again, notice once again, that perfect symmetry as we can see how things happened in the line of Jesus, the son of God. We see what happened in the same manner or should I say in a similar manner with the Antichrist. All right, let me wrap this thing up. The death of the Antichrist. The death of the Antichrist simply foreshadows the death of his father. And we turn finally to Revelation 19. Let's look at verse number 20. And the beast was seized. Oh, not good. <laughs> going here, you wonder what's going on. All right. After the end of the great tribulation, Jesus on a cloud of glory in all of his majesty with all of the angels of God. And, I, and that's going to be a spectacular event. Can you imagine all the angels of God coming back with Jesus. And what does that say? If all the angels of God are coming along with Jesus and we can see them going before Jesus, what does that tell you about who this one must be that the angels must go before him? But anyway, wait, wait, wait. so all of the angels of God come with him as well as the saints of God. That is the church. Okay. And when he comes back to this earth, a series of, of events begin to take place. That is, and one of the first thing that happens because when Jesus does return, we have what? The Antichrist with all the armies of the Gentile world have now gathered in the Valley of Megiddo to destroy and kill all the Jewish people. And basically Jesus returns to the great rescue of the Jewish people. All right. And to bring all of this, the age of man, that's Daniel, bring the age of man to a close. But when he does, the first thing he does is he deals with the Antichrist known as we've been talking about earlier. Revelation 13, what the beast. Now let's go. Revelation 19. Look at verse number 20 and the beast, the Antichrist was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive. Watch that. Watch that because I'm going to show you something. And I, and I want to spend a lot of time on it, but I got to show you something. They were thrown what? Alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. Now notice this now. Okay, okay. All right, let me just break it down. Calm down. Show it to you. The beast, the Antichrist, he was seized, most likely, I don't know whether by Jesus himself or by an angel, but the bottom line was he was seized and it said that he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, guys, this would be a monumental teaching of great length. So just let me explain it to you. And, and, and just ex and, and, and I have to you have to forgive me because to make you understand it would take just just as too long. So you just have to accept what I'm saying. And I don't like to do that. But just listen to the broad points. He was cast alive into the lake of fire. All right. Re all right. First of all, the Antichrist. Remember Genesis six, the children, the Nephilim. The Antichrist would be a Nephilim. The children of of the 
angels of the angels that sin in Genesis 6, the Nephilim, they were not uh, eternal creatures in, in the sense of what I mean by the sense that is they could die. And that's what I'm saying. OK, because they died. They all died. All the Nephilim were wiped out in the flood. That's my point. So that the point is the son of Satan himself is a creature, is a man per se, and he is able to die. He will die. OK, but notice in Revelation 19 and 20, he is cast into the lake of fire. Now, the point that you must understand is that the lake of fire is the eternal destination for eternal beings. You must have an eternal body in order to go to the lake of fire. The lake. OK. OK. All right. Listen. This is how it works. When people die, say, for instance, right now in our time, right, the, un the unsaved, if an unsaved person should die, their physical body goes into the earth. That's it. You can go out there and visit their graveyard or wherever, whenever you want to. And you'll see that body is still in the ground. But what does the scriptures teach about their soul? Luke 16, the soul of the unsaved go to hell and Gehenna, Gehenna. And you need to see the teaching that I did on what the Bible teaches about hell and Sheol. And Gehenna is the burning hell. But here's the thing that I want you to remember. Gehenna or hell is only a place of torment for the soul. Only a place of torment for the soul. The, the flesh is still in the ground. It is not until Revelation chapter 20. Remember, we said, I saw the dead, both small and great. That's the wicked dead. Notice they are now resurrected. So now you have what? You have their, their souls taken from Gehenna, reunited with their physical body. And now, like the church, they are eternal people. They have bodies that live forever. And that's the point. Now, that once they have been resurrected, their soul is retrieved from Gehenna and put into that body that was now resurrected. They are now eternal and they have eternally bodies that can never die. You got it? All right. And so therefore, the lake of fire is the eternal punishment for the body, soul and spirit. Let me say it again. The lake of fire is eternal punishment for the body, soul, and spirit. But hell, Gehenna, is only a torment for the soul. And that's what you have to see. So now notice something. Here's my point. When in verse number 20 of Revelation 19, Jesus returns, notice what it says. He casts the Antichrist where? into the lake of fire. But wait a minute. How can the Antichrist go into the lake of fire with a regular human body? It would completely destroy that body. <laughs> he must resurrect him. So allow me. And I know this teaching has gotten long, guys. But let me just go on and make the point. It's found in Isaiah chapter 14. You ready? All right. Isaiah 14. And 
Uh, let me get just get right to the point, okay? And it's a beautiful thing, guys. Is and the very context as it begins is looking for the restoration of Israel, and we know that the restoration of Israel does not happen until after Jesus return, after the tribulation that happens after his second advent. So it puts it all in wonderful context because what's there at the return of Jesus? The Antichrist. What is he doing? Making war. All right, now let's get to that point. Uh, let's just go on to verse number four. All right. And here's where we see the picture. And this is clearly the Antichrist. And we can see the power behind the Antichrist is Satan himself. And that's in the rest of the verse. But I can't go into it. But let's just get to it. Verse number four. And you will take up this taunt. You're going to jeer him against the king of Babylon. And that's that spiritual language for the Antichrist. He is now referenced as what? The king of Babylon. Watch and say, how the oppressor has ceased. That's the Antichrist. They're, that's what they're saying. You are their oppressor and you have ceased. What do you mean cease? How and how fury has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of rulers, which used to strike the peoples in fury with unceasing stroke. But let me just go on to verse number nine and I want to show it to you. Sheol. What is Sheol? Sheol is the place of departed spirits. And let me just tell you the answer right now. She, remember, and that's why you need to see that teaching on what the Bible teaches about hell. Sheol is the place of the dead. It is the place of the dead. It means that he is now dead. Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. So now we see that the Antichrist has now entered into the place of the dead. Sheol, namely hell, namely even Gehenna, hell. His body is dead because remember what Sheol or hell is a place where the soul alone goes to. It Let's go back to verse number nine. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead. Gotcha. The dead, dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises all the kings of the nations from the thrones. And let me just say it so you'll see the beauty. What do these dead kings who are in hell say? Listen, they see. Here's the picture. They see all of a sudden the Antichrist coming. He, and remember, the Antichrist is the son of Satan. He will be the most powerful man, the most influential man to have ever lived, ever lived. Just like Jesus. Jesus is like his father. What? The Antichrist like his father. Most powerful man. And so now these dead kings, when they see the Antichrist coming, they're shocked. They're wondering, what the world is this? And they say, look at verse number 10. What, what does it say? They will all, these dead kings, respond and say to you, even you have, be, have been made weak as we, you have become like us. And, can, and let, let me stop there. What, what am I trying to say? He is dead, dead. And his soul has entered into hell. And when his soul entered into hell, the rest of the kings who were dead before him were shocked because they cannot believe one such as himself is now dead and, and he's been made just like them. But wait a minute, let's go back to Revelation 19. Jesus cast him into not hell, 
the lake of fire. What did I tell you about the lake of fire? It is a place for eternal punishment for body, soul, and spirit. His body has been sent into the, uh, it's probably dead on the battlefield where Jesus left him, but his soul went to hell. So what does Revelation 19 teach us? Jesus resurrected him from the dead. He resurrected the Antichrist, put him in into an eternal body and sent him to the lake of fire. And once again, we have another symmetry. What do you mean there's another symmetry? Remember, what did the scripture say? Jesus was the first fruits of those who rose from the dead. Jesus was the first from among his people to go into what? Eternal existence of joy, happiness, that resurrection from the dead. And just like Jesus was the first, first of those of his people to rise from the dead in an eternal body, going into glory, so will the Antichrist be the very first, the first one to get an eternal body and go into the lake of fire where all of his people that is, those who don't know God, they will go. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me on that long teaching once again. But anyway, if you haven't subscribed, you know what to do. Subscribe now and always be careful to hit that notification button. And we'll see you next time.